You're listening to Three Dimensional Theology. I'm Cabe Matthews. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you're listening to this the day that it goes up, yesterday was an election day. Now, I recorded this episode a while ago, so I don't actually know specifically what went down. But I don't need to know the results to be able to know that a lot of people are really disappointed today. I don't actually need to look at the election returns to understand that a lot of other people are feeling really relieved today. So I'm sure some of you are fighting off depression, and I'm aware that some of you are probably glowing today. But to fans of Candidate Who Lost, I just want to say I'm so sorry. But I'm sure Political Party Who Lost will do better next time. And for fans of Candidate Who Won, just remember to be nice to the other side. Don't gloat. I'm sure you remember what it feels like to be in their shoes. After all, you'll be on the losing side once again, sooner or later. But most of all, to all of us, at least those Christians among us, I kind of think that we should take all this just a little less seriously. I know, I know, I know there's real stuff at stake in these elections. And I know that some of you are convinced that your side is right and that the other side is absolutely wrong. But today, on three-dimensional theology, I want to invite you to just pause. Put that cork back in the bottle of champagne and or step away from that ledge. Democracy is great. But don't forget that you are a citizen of a kingdom that is much, much greater. Stay with us. The Reformation era, that's the 16th century, was not a flattering time for Christians. Protestants killing Catholics. Catholics killing Protestants. Catholics accusing Protestants of being heretics and apostates. Protestants claiming that the Pope is the Antichrist. On all sides, we said some pretty unflattering things. And we did some even worse things. But there was one thing that Catholics and Protestants could both agree on. There was at least one activity that brought both sides together. One thing that most everyone thought was a really good idea. One thing that Catholics and Protestants might actually stop killing each other in order to participate in. And that, of course, was killing Anabaptists. 
The Anabaptists were a relatively small and diverse group of Christians, mostly in Switzerland, Germany, and the Low Countries. Most of them rejected violence as being incompatible with faith in Jesus, so they weren't killing anyone. And they thought that politics was a corrupting influence on the church, and they also didn't practice infant baptism, which is where they got the name Anabaptist. Well, there's this one famous story about an Anabaptist who lived in the Netherlands named Dirk Willems. He was arrested by the local magistrate for his Anabaptist convictions, and they took and they locked him up in a castle. But one cold winter day, he escaped and fled. He ran across the castle's frozen moat. He ran through frozen fields and forests. And then he ran across a frozen pond. But a guard who was chasing him wasn't so lucky. This guard probably weighed a little more than Willem's. The guard had probably been eating a little better than Willem's. And so he fell through the ice. He probably screamed. He probably thrashed around in the frigid water, crying for help. But then two really remarkable things happened. The first thing is that Dirk Willems turned back around and he went back across that frozen pond and he helped the guard. He saved his life. And the second thing that happened is that his pursuers arrested him anyways and a short time later burned him at the stake. Now maybe the most natural thing for us to ask is what on earth was Dirk Willems thinking? I mean, he had to know that if he turned back, that he paused for, if he paused for even a moment, that if he, but definitely if he turned back and, and took the time to save that guard's life, he had to know that that would cost him his life. What would cause someone to act so irrationally? Why would someone have such a profound disregard for their own self-interest? The answer comes from a really cool-sounding German word that was a prized Anabaptist virtue, Gelassenheit. In addition to being really fun to say, Gelassenheit is a kind of letting go, a sort of cool detachment to one's life. The way the Anabaptists use it, it's like the state of mind that Jesus had at the Garden of Gethsemane when he prayed, Not my will, O Lord, but yours be done. Colossonheit is about yielding your life and your will and your desires completely over to God. It's about taking up your cross and following Jesus. If there's one thing Dirk Willems had, it was Colossonheit. So sure, the most natural thing to ask is what was Dirk thinking? But I think there's another question that needs to be asked. 
What on earth were his captors thinking? These, these prison guards, these jailers, these dungeon guards, they were Christians. How does someone who identifies as a Jesus follower witness Dirk's act of selfless love and then proceed to tie him up and light a match. How does that make sense? How can people be so blinded by their deeply held convictions that they fail to realize that in the drama that they're living, they are actually playing the part of the Roman soldiers as they crucify someone who looks an awful lot like Christ. Well, one really cool thing about living in the United States in the 21st century is that we don't burn people at the stake anymore. But we are still pretty divided. There's conflict in the air. And it can get brutal. According to one recent study, Americans value political party affiliation over basically all other affiliations. That includes race, ethnicity, language, and yes, even religion. I'm deeply disappointed by this. I'm especially disappointed by the implication that that many Christ followers apparently think of themselves as Republicans or Democrats more than they think of themselves as Christ followers. I'm disappointed, I should say, but I'm not actually surprised. Well, I don't agree with everything that the Anabaptists stood for. But I can't help thinking that they were the closest thing that the 16th century had to real Christianity. And I think it's because they took God's kingdom more seriously than they took their lives. I think it's because they took God's kingdom more seriously then they took everything. In other words, they had Galassenheit. Where are the real Christians today? Where are the ones who take their identity as God's adopted children more seriously than their vote? Where are the people who put love for people above love for party and platform? Where are the people who have more faith in Jesus than they have faith in policy and politics? If you find them, please send them my way. Thank you so much for listening. If you've got questions, suggestions, ideas, hit me up on Twitter. I'm at Cabe Matthews. You can also email me, Cabe, at 3dtheology.com. Check out the show notes, 3dtheology.com slash seven. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever else fine podcasts are downloaded. And whatever you do, don't burn people at the stake. 
That's all I have for today. I can't wait to hang out with you next time on Three Dimensional Theology. And until then, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the community of the Holy Spirit be with you all.